0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And here we go. Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peach Fubes podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. We're recording on a Tuesday morning, two days before the Hawks season start. I think the actual NBA season starts tonight, right? Is that is that correct? I'm here with Sarah Spencer.
1: <laughs> yes, that is that is correct. But the Hawks have to be patient for a few days here.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's 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 interesting that the staggered start. Um, I guess first off the top, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was just uh, what it's going to be like, or or. What sort of normalcy returns in a season where uh, some of the COVID stuff goes away? (laughs) What do you get back and what haven't you quite gotten back yet in terms of what, what do you expect this season to be like in terms of reporting?
1: Right. Yeah, no, I mean, there's light years of difference between this season and and last season. Um, So for those that don't know, um, last season, media had no in-person availability, basically. Um, uh, There were a few people let into the bubble. Obviously, the Hawks didn't make the bubble. I mean, this sounds like forever ago, but that's kind of where (laughs) a lot of non-access started. Um, Last season we couldn't do any access in person, but we could go to games. So you were at least there, but obviously um, there weren't really many people let into arenas. Um, gradually throughout the season, um, more and more fans were let into arenas, still no person in person access. Um, then for the Eastern conference finals, I traveled in Milwaukee back and forth and we could do in person access for the first time. And like, I've told this story before, but I just remember every single player who came into the little, kind of like the little Zoom room, you know? And when you're on that side of it, you realize, like, oh. just how kind of messed up Zoom can be. Sometimes, like, people are, like, people's, like, word, like like, the internet will just cut out in the middle of someone's sentence. Players are, like, can you repeat that? Like, what? You kind of realize, <laughs> like, oh, gosh, this is not a perfect uh, system but I remember for the first time, like every single player like came in and was like, oh my gosh, like, it's good to see you guys. Like, wow. Um, and we were just like, oh my gosh, it's good to see y'all too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it was just, it was just a really cool experience. We were all like laughing, laughing in a press conference for the first time in what felt like, you know, a year, year and a half. Um, and then now for this season, um, we can do in-person stuff, but, um, we're, we're wearing masks. So sometimes you're kind of like, in the practice facility and it's loud and you're like kind of screaming through your mask but (laughs) but at least we're there um which is nice um and so that i I guess there is kind of a tier system which sucks um so there are some i guess there's like tier one that's allowed to do that and then some people aren't um and hopefully we can get back to normal eventually um there's no locker room access right now which is again uh quite a bummer but you can still do you can do one-on-ones so we're we're making progress, which is good. And hopefully by the end of this season or throughout this season, we can make even more. And I know a lot of people sometimes don't care about access or kind of feel like we're complaining, but if you care about the team, I I hope that you care about access because a lot of times that's the only way we can tell you about the team that you love is if we're there. Um, So I know it seems kind of like, you know, just, complaining or like really kind of inside baseball talking about it, but it's important. So I hope we keep making progress on that front.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, it it does, uh, it does make a difference in the types of questions you can ask and the kinds of responses that you get from those questions uh, mm-hmm. a, as we record over zoom, a podcast.
1: <laughs> All right. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's good. And it's good for some things. It's just not good. Yeah it's a good piece of technology it's just not good like interpersonally you know there. there's such- not
0: good for a group of like 15 people as or, no. and it's not fair to compare uh, you know doing that chat with a group of 15 people with like a one-on-one or a three three people talking to one or something like that
1: exactly it's just very it's just very different and I think a big part of our job is getting to know other humans. Um, (laughs) I mean, for a while, like I hadn't even shaken Nate McMillan's hand yet. I was like, I'm covering this guy, writing so much about him. And, And, you know, you just don't really feel embedded with the team, which again, I know a lot of people are like, oh, reporters always complain about this. Like, what do I care? Teams should be, you know, more private or more cagey or whatever, Um, But a a lot of times we're not necessarily talking about like trade secrets here. Like we're talking about stuff that fans really care about, you know, like we're, we're talking about stuff that people who love the team um, really care about and would want to know. So I I don't know. I I just think that being in person and also just, man, just societally, (laughs) like just being in person around other people is, is so much more just enriching and fruitful Um, and I'm just glad we're, we're starting to, to get back to that. Like I'll be able to travel this year. Um, I'll be able to go, um, again, no locker room access, but you can go all like, I'll go on the road, go to the game, um, be down on event level, uh, get to see, you know, get to talk to the guys like one-on-one and request time with them and, and that kind of thing. Um, so it's not like, it's not perfect. It's not like exactly what it used to be, but it is much better. And I just think that it's, I just think that that's important.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you know, part of the reason I, I thought now would be a good time to, to have you on as a guest is like, well, Sarah's been going to practices now for two weeks. It seems like all they've done is had practice. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, I think there's a lot to be gleaned. I'm going to ask you for, you know, what your, your gut vibe on so many things here, just because being in the presence of them kind of allows you to have a gut vibe, yeah, whereas it, you, you might not.
1: It, yeah, it's crazy how like being around people might mean, you know, those people a little bit more than if you weren't around them. it's the it's the darndest thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like yesterday, I, I totally got the vibe that Coach McMillan hated my TLC question. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know what, you I was
0: know like, what? is he gonna make the roster? And he's like, we'll see.
1: I know he's so uh, you know what though I think so, he's one of those those guys because if you remember Kevin Herter declined to talk yesterday which so that would be Monday for those listening um and Monday at 6 p.m. was obviously the deadline for um, rookie scale extensions right, contract right. extensions to to be extended which is such a mouthful but um so Kevin declined to talk but it's not because Kevin doesn't uh, kevin's like the the most media friendly like right. talkative guy it's just that he was right on the cusp of that and he was like <laughs> i don't know if i want to uh, probably i'm guessing here but he's probably like i i, I don't want to mess this up we're like right, right at the buzzer here i feel yeah, like that he was probably had to field thing. some
0: phone calls or something too like
1: yeah exactly like, kind of like busy or something you know
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um but i feel like that's what it was with nate too i don't think he was like irritated i think he was just like <laughs> we are we are like hours away from sending out our, our opening night roster. I don't want to mess anything up.
0: <laughs> for sure. But that's, uh, that's a good starting point. I know when we, when we planned this podcast, I think the, the first topic on the agenda was <laughs> Kevin Herter. And at, the, at that time, it was, did he get the extension or did he not sign an extension? And now we know that he did sign the extension. Uh, upon hearing that he signed and seeing the number for that extension, what was your first impression?
1: Well, you know, I actually thought that it was pretty good. So I, I really, I think Kevin Herter's game, I don't want to say like underrated anymore because I think what he did in all of the second half of of last season, once Nate took over, but I guess when people mostly would have seen this come to light would be like game seven against Philly, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that what he can do, just the versatility that he brings, you've got a guy who can basically plug in like anywhere one through three um, blossomed as a defender um, is just extremely versatile. I I mean, I think the Hawks needed to keep this guy. Um, I think that it's easy to forget all of these guys who are getting extensions or they're, they're so, you know, obviously like Trey, uh, Trey Young, John Collins, um, Clint as well are getting you know multi year deals. Um, they're really young, and these guys are seeming like they're only going to get better. Um, so I think if you can lock Kevin Herter down right now at, at a value that um, is a little bit, maybe a little bit team friendly, I I don't know. Um, I I mean I I think Kevin Herter's, I think Kevin Herter is very valuable. And I think that this is a good deal. I mean, this is a good deal for both sides. I think it's good for them to keep him, especially because even if you've got a guy who's so this year, Kevin Herter will likely come off the bench because you've got a healthy bogey and you've got a healthy, you know, hopefully uh, Deandre Hunter back in the starting lineup. Um, but even with Kevin coming off the bench, he it's, it seems like it's been a conversation last season and this season alike of how are the Hawks going to have enough minutes for all of these young, talented wings, all of these, just this young talent in general. But when you have a guy like him who can plug in basically anywhere, um, it, I just think that he, he's still going to see the court a good bit. He's still, he can do so many things for you that it makes sense to keep someone around who's such like a kind of a Swiss army knife, you know, like his, his passing's pretty underrated. Obviously everyone knows he's a good three-point shooter. Um, good ball handler and I think the really big key that probably helped this come to fruition is how much he locked in on defense last year and showed that he can do that because that was a part of his game that that needed a boost and he gave him that and then some because night in and night out a lot of times he was guarding the opposing team's best best guard best wing um, and I think he impressed a lot of people with that, namely Nate McMillan and, and GM Travis Schlenk. Um, so I think it's good for them to to keep him around. And I think it's good for Kevin to to keep playing for Nate and keep growing that area of his game in, in addition to others.
0: Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, you know, you mentioned him coming off the bench this season. In a lot of ways, I think he's the sixth man or seventh man, kind of the primary primary bench player in the sense that if anyone in the starting lineup or Danilo Gallinari, let's say, uh, missed time with injuries, I think he's sort of the first guy whose minutes go up as sort of a filler behind any injuries. If DeAndre Hunter misses any time, if Trey misses any time, if, if Gallinari misses time, you know, I just think that there are ways to kind of shift players in the rotation you know, up a position, down a position. And when you do that, the guy whose minutes you most want to expand is probably Kevin Herter.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that, especially because he's already played. So last season, um, season before last, he had some some injuries here and there um, that, that hampered him in a few little ways. And then last season, he was one of the most, uh, besides maybe like Solomon Hill, who was really um, consistent for them when his number was called, um, Kevin was like, Kevin was providing a ton of consistency for this team when they were just the injuries just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. So you have a guy who's basically played with everyone at this point because he was plugging in somewhere alongside someone just all the time (laughs) uh, because they, they had so many guys out and he kind of became like your go-to guy in a way um, in a number of, of different roles. So I think that that, that consistency and also just, you know, the Hawks are, are rolling with that continuity from what they did last season. You can tell they like that group and what that group did, which is uh, pretty easy to understand because they <laughs> went to the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. And they, they, you know, they they really thrived under Nate. Um, so, you know, you got Clint locked down for, for some years to come. You've got John Collins locked down. You got Trey Young locked down. And now you've got kevin locked down so they clearly like the synergy uh between that group and i think i think you make a good point that kevin can play alongside he's versatile enough to kind of play with anyone he fits in pretty well with with almost any combination you'll you'll throw out there
0: yeah i think there's a couple of ways i mean i'm (laughs) i'm not really an expert in evaluating the numbers but if you look at this deal being four years 65 million, I think you can kind of look at it you know one of two ways. One is to sort of compare it to the fellow draftees in the 2018 draft and what they got in extensions, versus you know just comparing it to what the other Hawks make. And I guess maybe starting there, if memory serves correctly, the Hawks have Bogdan Bogdanovich on a four year, 72 million dollar deal albeit one that starts a couple of seasons earlier so you know inflation raises it's not perfectly apples to apples uh, but if if Bogdanovich is at 472 and he's kind of starting ahead of Herder then you know Herder's deal kind of lines up right behind that it kind of feels sort of you know fair to both sides that you know he's making almost as much as the player that he's backing up because they're really kind of two comparable players but you know just slightly less and 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 that's that kind of you know gut feeling that kind of feels about right for both sides,
1: yeah, I, I mean that's probably a good point. I think that um, I think that it might have been I, I guess it's all relative because it might have been you know more or less depending on how much responsibility that player shoulders on that given team, you know when when we're going into these negotiations, um, I, I think that Kevin looking at him. Probably in a in a coming off the bench role, but still going to get a ton of playing time, like we've mentioned, because he's yes he's backing up Bogey, but he also can play. He can also back up. You know DeAndre Hunter. He can also back up. Uh, I mean, last season they he ran point and you know and brought the ball up a fair bit. Like if Trey ever missed a game with something you know ankle related or a minor minor thing here or there. Um, so I think that he's the fact that he's versatile enough to to do all that probably increases his value a little bit in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, it's, it, it, that's, that's a fair point, you know, that he's, it, it makes sense for him to be a, on kind of that same timeline, but just a little bit less than, than bogey.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and looking at some of the fellow draftees from the 2018 draft and what they got in extensions, it's, it's hard to find a whole lot of players who sort of fall into the, the herder level of player, because you have a lot of guys like, you know, Luka Doncic and Trey Young who are signed to max deals. (laughs) Michael Porter Jr. Got a max deal. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, you know, has a max deal. And then you look at some of the others, Wendell Carter Jr. Got four years, 50 million, which (laughs) Mm -hmm. I kind of agree with uh, my fellow usual podcaster. Glenn Willis that that seems like a lot mm-hmm. um Jaron Jackson got four years 105 million Landry Shamit is probably a good comparison in terms of role he got four years 43 million and and that's you know Kevin hurts just you know he's kind of similar to Landry Shamit but I think he's just better like he's more versatile defensively he can kind of play more positions uh, you know, the, the the one that I would say where you might lay it side by side with Herder's deal and say, oh, they they got a, a pretty steep discount is that the Bucks extended Grayson Allen for for two years, 20 million. And that that's actually I feel like that's a pretty good comparison in terms of players. But I think the Bucks there, you know, just signed a deal where, you know, they got the championship discount where, you know, they have so many players signed to such big deals that, you know, it was this is all we can offer you because of the tax and whatnot and not wanting to go into the tax that they just kind of laid it out there. And and he took a deal at a discount because he wanted to be there. But uh, mm-hmm. other than that, you know, I don't think there's anybody in that 2018 draft list where you you look at them and say, oh, they, they got a significant discount compared to, you know, what the Hawks got in their deal with Herder.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think it's almost like what Nate said. Um, I think it was yesterday. Like he just, it was kind of like a, it was a little coach speaky, but it, it, it he made a good point of like, he just hopes both sides are are happy with it. And I think Kevin, I think Kevin probably just wanted something. I mean, I, I do think the Hawks are kind of turning into, um, I mean, obviously not like the Bucks because you know, the bucks just want it all. Um, but I mean, I think the Hawks are kind of becoming a, a team that you know you want to you want to stick around and see what this team can do. Um, so I think it makes sense from from Kevin's side, and then I also think it makes sense from the Hawks side because I they do value him. He is more valuable than just like you said, you know, first or second guy coming off the bench, but coming off the bench in an, a variety of different ways. So I think that kind of ups his value too. Um, and a lot of these guys are not that you know they they it's it's likely that they're just going to keep on improving so what you saw flashes of from Kevin last season um I know for a number of for a number of seasons now it seems like he's wanted to kind of you know become a little bit more physical you know uh fighting through traffic getting to the rim that kind of stuff um so I think the Hawks are also probably thinking this is how he's going to continue to grow under Nate and then I just think it starts to make sense for both sides
0: yeah, I like that point that you made about you know both sides being happy with it. I, you know, he could have tried to go to restricted free agency to see the kind of deal that he would get, but I don't think he, you know, I don't think he would be able to go to a situation with a team that would be nearly as successful. I think you know when he when he if he if he went to restricted free agency and found that kind of restricted free agency deal that would have been comparable money to this one, it wouldn't have been a situation basketball wise where the team is success, as, as successful <laughs> on the court. I easy for you to say. Oof.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Like I think the Hawks are starting to have that dynamic where players are like, I, I want to stick around and see what we can continue to do. It's funny how, a it's funny how success, you know, a taste of success and wins kind of, I mean, they, it really does just shift the whole paradigm to where, uh, well, you know, and Travis, um, GM Travis Schlenk has, has talked about that as far as, you know, trying to be a free agent destination. I mean, these days you got to have a guy who is interested and, and wants to come, but you've also, that's just it. You have to be that destination for them. You have to be a winning team. You have to be uh, pretty much a, a contender or at least somewhat of a, a contender. And then the, the mental side of it kind of switches to guys thinking I, this is a, this is a pretty good deal and this is a pretty good spot.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And this, you know, that that's a good point because that's, that's where the Hawks are now they need to in pretty much all their future deals. Now they, you know, when they bring in players, they're going to have to be getting the, the good team discount because the money is now gone. <laughs>
1: they're they're going to be up
0: against the tax and so it's it's now time for you know they're really not going to be able to bring in a whole lot of other players unless they match salary or you know they get somebody at a steep discount in free agency because they there's there's the cap room doesn't exist and and the the room under the tax doesn't exist now uh because of the money that they've given out in extensions to capella collins young and now herder
1: Yeah, I think this is kind of the year. And, you know, even though I said, you know, quote unquote, team friendly earlier, because I think maybe in some locations, Kevin Herter in some spots, Kevin Herter could have gotten a little bit more. But I mean, with with the context of everything that we've said, it it makes sense because now you think of you just think of how this is kind of the last year that the Hawks are going to have. You know the the group that they've been rebuilding with, um, that kind of young core that was there, and then you have kind of the expanded core because Clinton Bogey are big pieces of that. This is sort of that last year where they've got to figure out how they got to figure out how they're going to look for for years to come, because like you said, you're going to run into you can't exactly pay everybody exactly what they want um, right. because you've got a lot of up and coming players who are developing and the Hawks have drafted well they've been savvy and it's it it worked but now you have to think okay we we're really gonna have to look and evaluate how these pieces fit together um what is DeAndre Hunter gonna gonna give us this year which obviously he had a fantastic uh second season until injury kind of hampered him a little bit um Let's let's look at Cam Reddish. Like, are we going to be able to keep all these guys or do we end up having to consolidate at some point? Um, I think it's too soon to say because you got to play some games and see what all those guys are looking like together. Obviously, injuries prevented you from uh, injuries kind of fl- uh, were flying in the face of a lot of things last year. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I think this is this is a season where the Hawks have all these guys for another year, they're return their top. Uh, nine scores I believe it was from last season and then you just kind of have to see how it all plays out
0: yeah uh trying to get uh trying to get a segue and get my story right here um you know (laughs) a couple of weeks ago I was asking Nate McMillan about how you know Delon Wright and Lou Williams might mesh and, and as an aside you know here's kind of you know where the being around other human beings and trying to get you know your gut feeling on what they're saying to you in body language and eye contact and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. but when I brought up DeLon Wright playing with Lou Williams you know Nate made a point of bringing Kevin Herter into that discussion and so he, you know, he made a couple of points. One is that um, he he he's said a few times now that when he's talking about his bench lineups, he goes to matchups, matchup, matchups. And I, you know, I think part of that is that he feels like if he's got Cam Reddish, DeLon Wright, Kevin Herder, uh, or Lou Williams, uh, you know, three of those four players on the perimeter off the bench, mm-hmm. that they have enough offensive talent there that when they're sort of probing the defensive weaknesses of their opponents at the back end of their rotation, they can find a matchup that they like and they, they might be able to do some offensive things that are a little more isolation related than what you might see in the starting lineup with Trey Young. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I'm kind of reading between the lines is that, you know, his, his, his three perimeter guys off the bench, if everybody's healthy are going to be, Delon, Herter, and Cam Reddish, and that there might not be room for Lou. So I guess my first question to you is, you know, what what sort of role do you expect for Lou Williams this season?
1: Yeah, it it did kind of seem like that. It even seemed like that um in the preseason, although that's very limited. And um Lou actually, I think banged up one or two games. Um, but uh Kevin Herter was your your first guy off the bench, Cam Reddish was your second guy off the bench. Um, and then DeLon, you know comes in at, at backup point guard. um so I, I mean, I think for Lou, I mean it's it's tough it, it, it's tough because obviously Lou won them games and uh, won them a handful of games in the fourth quarter uh last season and was integral to some some comebacks that they had, um including against Philly um yep. and, you know, in the playoffs. so it's 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 so weird, this is one of those. This is kind of the, the odd thing with the Hawks this season is that they've got, they've almost got too many guys. So when you look at Lou's role, probably minimizing a little bit, it feels weird to say because he didn't necessarily like do anything for that to happen. It's right. just what, what is going to be the best fit out there, but i th- I still think they'll use him. I mean I, I certainly think that they'll bring him as some scoring pop off the bench when they need it for sure, because that's uh, one of the biggest things that he brings. but the Hawks were still having you know, they were kind of using him as um behind trey last year right but but it it lose that's not exactly Lou's role um, or Lou's best kind of role like he's he's a little bit more of a little bit less of a uh, maybe a a point guard a little bit more of like that guy you want to to come and and shoot off the bench and uh or bring some shooting off the bench and that kind of thing so i think that they'll still use him but it might be the hawks have had obviously that when trey goes to the bench um they haven't really found a great answer at at sort of (laughs) backup guard at keeping things going so i think that i think that that, I mean, that did get better toward the end of um, last season. Um, and I, I just think that they'll probably use him more in certain situations, maybe uh, when they, when they need that, because it, it doesn't seem like he might be the first, it doesn't seem like he might be the, the first option there. Um, but it's, it's tough. They, they've just got so many guys and not enough minutes to go around
0: yeah I mean it sort of feels like he's out of the rotation, but then again you kind of look at it and it's like well in the in in the idealized world where all the hawks are healthy he's he's sort of outside the rotation looking in, but then you say, Well, how often does that happen?
1: Oh my goodness that's 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 such a good point because last season we we were having this conversation, not you and me specifically, but just all of us collectively. Uh, we're having this conversation about how are the hawks gonna have enough minutes for all these guys? That was a conversation last season, going into last season, but, you know, with Lloyd still here, uh, all that stuff. you know, how are the hawks gonna have enough young uh, enough minutes for all these young uh, young, not even young guys, I guess, just all of their guys. Um, and then injuries hit them like a ton of bricks, unfortunately, and that was not even remotely an issue (laughs) because they, because they were so hurt that Kevin was playing 30 minutes a game, you know? Um, So, so we don't know exactly how all of that. It's a good point. We don't know exactly how all of that is going to shake out because you, you know, you still have a a few guys who have been banged up in the preseason too. Um, They're, they're finally starting to get healthy, but Deandre Hunter hasn't been a hundred percent bogey hasn't been a hundred percent. Um, Kevin hasn't been a hundred percent. Trey missed a few games. DeLon missed a few games. So it's tough to say exactly how things are going to shake out. I mean, obviously you hope that this team can just shake off the injury bug, but who knows? You don't really know. I don't think their schedule helped them last season either. Um, So it was obviously most people listening know that the the schedule was very compressed and the travel schedule right. was different. And I just think it was, it was tough on a lot of guys' bodies. It was tough on a lot of guys, um, having, you know, having to get up at 8 AM the next morning after a, a road game and a road trip. And let's say you get home at 2 AM and then you start to wake up at eight to go test and do COVID <laughs> awesome. COVID tests. And it's it, whether you're there, you know, they're still human. That's that's tough. Um, I don't think the schedule helped them. So maybe that'll help them this season. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see how just the start of the season goes with guys like Deandre Hunter. You know, they, they've got six games in 10 days to start if if my counting was accurate. And, you know, if Deandre Hunter is feeling good, does he play all six? Do they get a little bit wary and say, gee, that's a lot, you know, there, there might be some opportunity to, kind of thin things out and maybe have some guys sit here and there. When when you play six and 10, that's, you know, I know there isn't a compressed schedule that you mentioned this season, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's a very compressed start, mm-hmm. but you know, to go back to your point from, from a couple of, couple of minutes ago, you'll lose kind of an ideal fit because he can kind of back up at the one and back up at the two, you know, DeLon, mm-hmm. DeLon's a good fit next to him because Lou's kind of a he's kind of a pick and roll shooting guard he's not really a point guard Uh, he doesn't like bringing the ball up against pressure you don't really want him guarding point guards Mm -hmm. um and you know so so bringing in delon there if lou is in the rotation you know he's he's going to be a a good fit next to lou and so you know lou can kind of be your emergency point guard if you need him as a backup but he's also uh more comfortable i think playing off guard And, and And I think you could help me attest to this. Like when we walk into practice, not, not every day, but like most of the days that we go in for the tail end of practice, we don't see practice. Like we don't see scrimmages, but we usually see guys at kind of like four stations Mm -hmm. with, you know, like the the centers, the big centers, the the non-shooting centers like squarely up in front of us. So like, that's usually like a Kong Wu uh, before he got cut, Jaleel Okafor and Johnny Hamilton, Mm-hmm. and Clint capella at one basket then you kind of got power forwards kind of off to our right and then on the far side of the court shooting guards and point guards is that a fair assessment and and i think that we've seen lou with the, with the shooting guards like he's usually in that station with kevin herter and cam reddish and deandre hunter is is that fair
1: i think so that's normally the the basket he's at um so for those who don't know there's like four When you go to the Hawks practice facility, there's um, two big, you go into this gigantic gym and then there there's two courts there um, that are obviously a little bit smaller than your traditional basketball court. Um, There's two.
0: I think they're full. They're. Oh, maybe not. I think there might be 94 feet. I don't know. That's a good question.
1: The size of them. They have that one basket on the, you know, where media stands. They yeah. have that one basket that sometimes, like Jalen Johnson, will shoot at and stuff, mm-hmm. and I feel like that seeps into that a little bit. Um, but with that space, but whatever. They're 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 both huge, and so there's four there's uh four baskets on uh four baskets around. It's like a little square, and so the Hawks will do different stations after, after practice and that's what media gets to see we don't normally see any again like the you know fbi cia secrets but we we see them (laughs) we see them shooting and we see them doing like sometimes you'll see like some one-on-one drills or that kind of thing um yeah i feel like lou is typically over there with kevin and cam and and deandre i do feel like that's fair
0: yeah so i i mean i think you know i think he's sort of the 11th man I, I, I shouldn't say that because it seems like the 11th man is always Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill just endures. Like he's always playing. You always say, well, there's never going to be minutes for Solomon Hill. And like every game he's playing 15. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, it's like Gorgie, Gorgy Jang. I was talking to Gorgie last week and I've got to write about him soon, but it's like, man, Gorgie, you were there forever in Minnesota. Like Gorgie Jang when he came into Minnesota, the head coach was flip Saunders. And when he was done in Minnesota, the head coach was Ryan Saunders, his son. It's like, you know, it's just he was just there forever. He played with so many different Timberwolves. And it was just this team that had so much turmoil and, you know, upheaval and just a rotating cast of characters. And then Gorgie was just there for like eight straight seasons as all those faces changed. Um, It just you just Solomon Hill just has that same sort of enduring power like he's just gonna play 18 minutes a game you don't know how you don't know why but it's always gonna happen
1: you know that's a good point about solo he he ended up playing I think more I mean he ended up playing a, a lot more than a lot of people expected last year but again it was injuries it's yeah. just I feel like I don't mean to sound like a broken record but like man I just feel like I've written more about injuries than I ever thought I would <laughs>
0: All right, well, maybe to kind of finish up here, um, I wanted to ask you about kind of an unusual scene that transpired. And uh, what we saw, what day was it, Friday or Saturday of last week, after practice, you know, again, most days it's just the the guys at the four stations doing some one-on-one drills. Uh, But last week, we saw sort of Bogdan Bogdanovich and Clint Capella kind of working on free throws and uh, you're a better writer than me. So how would you paint that picture about what transpired there?
1: Um, so basically what it was is, so again, after practice, um, a lot of the Hawks players will, will stay and shoot. And we saw Clint Capella at the far basket and he was at the line shooting free throws. And then Bogey was off to the side watching and then Bogey took a few free throws and he was like really, really arcing them. And then he, uh, then Bogey stepped off to the side and then Clint took a few more free throws and he's really, really arcing them. And obviously Bogey's a 90, 91% free throw shooter last season and Clint struggles with free throw shooting. Um, and then, so, so basically then you see like Clint really arcing them and, and, and his free throw shot has, has improved a ton, um, it, at least from what we saw in that practice. It, it really was, it really was, I think, improved just technique and, and everything. Then, so they're over there for a while. Bogey starts to, he'll occasionally like make some noise or kind of jump in the lane, kind of trying to almost like trip Clint up. Then they go to the other basket. So they're rotating around this gigantic practice gym. uh, The exact measurements of which we, we don't exactly know. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to ask that question today. uh, Ask Cox PR in practice.
1: Yeah, because there's, there's also two So there's like, there's four big baskets and then there's two baskets on the opposite sides. So there's two baskets on the opposite sides as well, like kind of in the middle and then when, when guys shoot at those, they eat into the other, uh, other courts anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, so then they rotate to the other basket and it's the same thing. Like Clint is, is arcing free throws. He's making pretty much all of them. I think I only saw him miss like one, um, bogey's trying to like mess him up a little bit. They're talking things through. Then they rotate to the other basket. Uh, same thing again. Then they rotate to another basket. Same thing again, rotate to another same thing again. And they would occasionally stop and talk for a few minutes, talk things through. And it, it was I mean, it was it became clear that Bogey was just working on free throws with Clint, which I think was just kind of like I want to I remember walking over to I think it was you and a member of Hawk's PR staff and just being like, this is just kind of wholesome. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just mm-hmm. it's just cool. It's just a cool thing of um, this is after practice. So these guys are doing this kind of quote unquote on their own time Um, bogey this is obviously something bogey's really good at Clint is trying to get better at and they're just working on this together there's there's not really uh, occasionally there were some assistant coaches around but for the most part it was just them two Um, and I remember so I asked bogey about it I think it was was it Monday I I asked him about this uh, a few days afterward because the next day I think Saturday I I was there and they did a similar thing they 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 were going through it again Mm -hmm. and I asked bogey about it like oh are you just like helping clint with free throws and he was like yeah no I mean we're just practicing we're just practicing like he he didn't want to make it seem like he was a tutor or something because obviously clint it's like you know what to do you just have to practice it um and so he I I think he didn't want to make it seem like he was coaching clint up or anything but he was just like yeah no we're just you know, we're just walking it through. Like he wants to get better at free throws. So, yeah, we're just practicing. Um, and he he didn't want to make too much of it, I can tell. I don't think he wanted to take uh, – I don't think he wanted any, like, credit for it or anything. But I just right. thought it was cool. I don't know. I just thought it was a cool thing. I mean, obviously, Clint probably does that for a lot of the guys with defense. Um, so, it's just one of those – it was just one of those kind of chemistry moments where you do see – you get to see behind the scenes stuff that is just cool and, and kind of special and, and that, you know, we weren't seeing that for a long time and you miss little details like that, that I think are really, I think are really cool. And they show, they just give a little bit more insight to the team and, and what goes on and that kind of thing. So I I don't know. I I just thought it was a really fun tidbit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point about that's the kind of thing that you get from the in-person experience. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny, you know, I think part of the reason that Bogdan or the maybe it was really starting from the assistant coach is my dog is sneezing.
1: Um, <laughs> is puppy?
0: Puppy, no, no. Uh, she's probably like seven <laughs> <Yeah>. years old. <laughs> and so I think part of the reason, you know, for the arc is, you know, part of it's Clint kind of has a low, normally has a, a too low trajectory on his free throw. But he also kind of stops like you watch Clint shoot a free throw and it like starts well, like he bends his knees and he dips and he gets that kind of gradual build up from his feet through his knees rising up. And then he bends his elbow and then all of a sudden that kind of like freezes partway through his wrist motion. And then he kind of snaps the wrist at the end. And it's like, well, no, don't stop. You had it going. just kind of let it flow all the way through
1: right and and
0: you know bogey was kind of coaching him with that that rise motion kind of getting him through that Mm -hmm. but it was so impressive the the body language um i'm going to expose my biases as a math teacher here it's like i was impressed by bogey because and i I think that that seemed to be you know when i put something about it on twitter that seemed to be the response is what a good teacher and and i kind of go with that it's like You know, he could be in a car on his way home ready to get some lunch. And so he's being generous with his time. And, you know, he had terrific mannerisms as a teacher, but I was really impressed with Clint because I could just, you know, for so many guys, I could just see people being like, yeah, bugger off. Like, I don't need your coaching. Come on. And I was just watching Clint and he's smiling and he's listening intently. And it's like, man, what a good student, man. I, I want a student like that. that you know, <laughs> yeah. he just, you know, I, I my gut instinct was to just credit Clint so much in that for, for being the listener, for wanting to get that instruction in, and and really taking it to heart. He, he was, he was not closed off in any way. He was completely open to it. And, and it kind of reminded me of, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why it kind of happens or, you know, what the underlying part of it is, or it's probably just genuine. But, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I've heard Travis say over and over again is, you know, well, it just goes to show what a great person we think Clint is, you know, when when he's talking about Clint, you know, we, we can't emphasize enough what a great person we think Clint is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think of Capella as a top five center in the NBA. And at the same time, you look at that list of top five centers, and there's a lot of bristly guys on that list. And I think Clint is probably the the, the top five center in the NBA who's most well-liked by his teammates, and I think that's kind of a big asset.
1: Yeah, you could tell that when we were watching them go through this, you could tell that Bogey was being very like, you know, chill about it, like helpful, but not trying to be, you know, too much of a coach, just being a good teammate. Like, oh yeah, here's, here's this, here's that. Yep. Yep. All right. Good. Like you could tell he was just being very um, like casual, but helpful. And I, you know, which is like, a, I think a good vibe when you're someone's teammate, not someone's actual coach. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you could tell Clint was like, okay, yeah, let me do this. Let me do that. I don't know. They both just had really good attitudes about it. Um, it was just a good, it was just a good moment. You could tell Clint was like, you know, it was kind of like bogey was being gracious about it. Clint was being gracious about it. It was just a fun little behind the curtain moment to, to see. And obviously, I mean, Clint, it, his free throw looks good. <laughs> it, it really did look, uh, it really did look good. And that's something he wanted to, to work on. So it, it was both like productive, but also kind of a, a wholesome moment
0: yeah i mean it's <laughs> it's a whole different ball game when it's like nine thirty at night and you're two minutes into the third quarter and you shoot your f- first free throw of the game it's yeah, like can can you bring that, that moment up. in practice and summon it to that moment on the court but it, it definitely did look very good in practice so yeah, it's
1: better than better than not having that moment you know
0: and but he's done a lot like compared to when he was a rookie i think he shot like 30 percent from the free throw line as a rookie so mm-hmm. uh he's made a lot of progress already to to get to this point. So that's
1: exactly. And I bet Clint does that so much with like other guys regarding defense. And I mean, Clint's like the anchor of the defense too. I I mean, I I would not be surprised in the slightest if Clint had had done similar things with guys about defense or, or other things that are kind of his specialty, you know?
0: Yep. Well, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, I'm looking forward to this season. I'm looking forward to being around other humans, including you. And uh,
1: yes. <laughs> I'm excited
0: to do this whole season thing.
1: Yes. Thank you so much
0: for having me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your time. And, and uh, I really appreciate it.